0: From the Game Gurus at Snakes and Lattes. You're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are Michaela Hernandez. Hello. And Mady Josma. Hello. This week we're going to talk about something that's mostly of interest to the hardcore game buying nerds like myself. Replayability. The ability to play a game more than once, and preferably a lot of times, isn't usually an issue for customers in Snakes. If you're at the cafe and you've gotten bored of something, you just put it back on the shelf and you play something else. No problem. Uh, But if you're trying to choose a game to buy, you probably want something you'll be able to play over and over again and enjoy to get value for your money. Um, Mandy, Mikhail, how important is replayability for you when you're buying a game? Uh, It's pretty important to me, actually. Like, I want a game that I
1: can enjoy and play over and over and over again, considering that uh, I tend to play games a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, my particular group of game-playing friends, of which there are a few, um, tend to like playing the same games, uh, in addition to newer games, of course. And uh, a game with staying power is far better than one that we table about three times and then just kind of uh, leave to languish on the shelf.
2: Same here. Um, at the games that I play at Snakes with the like the staff and stuff, they it really has to go through the motions of be, stopping a staff favorite, and that it, before I can picture it actually being my wall for a long time. Hmm. So I'll wait to see whether it's a game that we're just in love with at the moment, or whether it's a game that you know a year from now, I'm like yeah, I still really enjoy playing that game.
0: Have you ever had any experiences with a game that uh, that you thought was amazing at first, and then kind of realized after a couple of plays, no, I don't think it's uh, it's really got legs.
2: Definitely, and uh, we were talking about it just a couple minutes ago. Uh, those games don't even register anymore. I don't even know mm. what they are. <laughs> I just don't play them anymore. They just don't cease to exist in my mind.
1: This may be like something that's taboo, but um, the champion of diminishing returns is probably cards against humanity. Yeah. 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 Once yeah, you have um, blown through the deck, then... It's, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. not shocking anymore.
0: Right, exactly. You
2: can buy booster packs, but at a certain point, even... Uh, being offensive becomes kind of redundant.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's it can only properly offend you if you hadn't uh, if you haven't seen it before, and that's mm-hmm. the key to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how about games that you've played that just you can keep playing again and again and again? What are some ones that have had tremendous longevity, amazing replay value? Um, actually, I find that a lot of strategy games have that kind of
1: thing. Um, in, I'm, in particular, yeah, I'm the type of player who likes some kind of refining um, what the optimal strategy for winning is over and no, like over a, a, like 10 or 15 plays. Um, stuff like Puerto Rico, stuff like the Duke, stuff like Dominion, uh, all of that holds a lot of replay value, even if um, there is an optimal way to win. It's not always viable because of the players you're playing with. They might attempt to actively stymie you. Um, that kind of thing.
0: And also because of the starting setup. I mean, every time you play a game of Dominion, you get a different set of cards to work with. Or right, exactly. If you're playing Settlers of Catan, the map is going to be different when you start.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's probably not a very popular opinion to voice, and I'll probably be pelted with, like, <laughs>
1: like
2: <laughs> spoiling vegetation. Got my Rotten Tomatoes, but, tomatoes um, right. But the game of life, I know I shouldn't <laughs> like it as much as I do, but I think it's the effort I put into the game, like building the story of my life as I go, naming my children and giving them very specific personalities that makes it fun each and every that's time.
0: That's great. You actually give them, that, that's, that's the secret to replay value for the yeah. game of life, clearly, yeah. As is um, the narrative. <laughs> so when most people are in the retail section of the store, do you think that they, um, are they considering replayability? Is that something that's on their mind? I think their primary concern is whether or not they enjoy the theme.
1: Um, that's like the main hmm. number one thing when customers are browsing our retail section. Uh, If they're not just um, windmill-slamming a copy of Cards Against Humanity on the (laughs) table, uh, they're looking through, they're looking at stuff like um, DC Deck Builder and um, Risk Starcraft, that kind of stuff, and uh, Adventure Time, Card Wars. Um, And I don't think they really give that much consideration to um, how replayable a particular title is, more so its aesthetics.
2: I definitely judge a board game by its cover sometimes. And if it's about pirates, I'm like halfway there to control.
0: <laughs> Is, uh, do you, have you ever had anybody ask you whether a game's replayable? or?
2: No, that's one of the things that surprisingly never comes up. I don't think the average consumer plays enough games for that to really... A
1: Actually, in my case, uh, quite a few people ask if a game is replayable.
0: Hmm. Um, Are they looking for uh, like strategy-ish things? Yes, or? primarily strategy games.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, if we, uh, we steer them towards something like Lords of Waterdeep, for example, uh, they ask how many times they can um, enjoy playing that game before it gets tiresome.
2: Hmm.
0: It's uh, yeah. I, I probably should not care about replayability as much as I do because I wind up buying probably more games than I'm really going to get to play <laughs> realistically. So uh, even if a game provides one or two good plays that's that's enough to entertain four or five of my friends for an evening. Right. At 60 bucks. Yeah. Which is pretty cheap. I yeah. think that's a great value actually. Is considered. Even if you only play it once or twice, but mm-hmm. still obviously it's better if you can keep playing it. Yes. All right. So what can cause problems for replayability? What's what are some things that will make it make, make a game not playable one more time?
2: Becoming way too familiar with the cards. I see that happen with a lot of the trivia games. Mm. Uh, a couple will be playing Quizniak for like hours and eventually, you know, they just know all the answers, yeah, especially if they've played it before. Which is
1: great. I, I suppose that's what the trivia game is all about, right? If
2: you've gone on a lot of first dates and you secretly know all the Quizniak cards, you can sure. look really smart. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, I happen to know when the Thimble
0: was invented due to timeline. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I see your point. And any game where you draw a card and do a thing, like Cranium. Mm-hmm. Or Quelf. That's, once you've seen all the cards, that's going to have mm-hmm. a bit less replayability. Um, Michael, you were talking about how you like to find an optimal strategy mm-hmm.
1: in a game. Um, in games where you can execute that strategy every time. Like, uh, for example, I think the most egregious example is um, Base Hive. Where if you are the starting player, then there is a really, really good way to win almost every single time.
0: Really? Uh, how, do yeah. win? how do I win Hive every time?
1: Uh, well, if you are the starting player, then you spawn an ant. And then you send that ant to lock in your opponent's queen bee, and then you spawn a beetle, and then you jump that beetle onto the queen bee, and then you spawn things around that queen bee, huh. and then
0: you move your ant away. So that's pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Hive is, uh, is one of those abstract games, uh, minute to and lifetime to master type things. It's played with these awesome bakelite tiles shaped like hexes with pictures of bugs on them. You're just trying to surround the other player's queen bee, and Mikhail has just provided you with the way to win it every, <laughs> every time, time if you go first. If you go first. Um, great game and uh, with the expansion pieces
1: it's definitely worth a look Um, and even just the base game itself is great until somebody figures that out and executes (laughs) that (laughs) over and over again Uh, in fact uh, Joran from Snakes uh, taught me that himself very nice it was uh, humiliating but enlightening uh,
2: another classic example is is Risk where you you start from Australia Australia and you just move all the way up
0: (laughs) so uh, okay there are other games that have uh, sort of a decreasing level of novelty like the first couple of times you do the mousetrap hmm that's pretty fun mm-hmm. right third time fourth time
1: yeah. a lot of kids games are like that um it's crocodile true. dentist don't wake daddy papa pirates where it just relies on kind of um like a fun conceit or something happening in order for the game to have uh, most of its entertainment value
0: um, kind of a counterexample is Loop and Louie is pretty cool no matter how many That's yeah, it is. Exactly. I don't get what it is about We have to do a game spotlight. Yeah. So <laughs> one amazing. these amazing. I don't know how that game does it, but uh, it all it has no business being as much fun as it is. Rhythmically pressing <laughs> a button. And just trying to stop this crazy <laughs> pilot from knocking the chickens off your chicken coop. Definitely. It's just, uh. So there are other games that have a limited number of plays built in. Like a few years ago, they did a CSI game mm. where the game shipped with six cases. And once you solved those, you were done. Um, there's other games like something like Yahtzee for example with mm-hmm. which have a limited number of score sheets or Clue and uh, one thing we've discovered at the cafe of course is physical durability mm-hmm. uh, games can physically wear out after enough time like yeah. uh, remember the early copies of King of Tokyo yeah. oh right yeah with the uh, with the non um, embossed dice I guess yeah the, the numbers on the dice were silkscreened on which meant that after you rolled them enough times the paint just w- w- wiped off them yeah and the dice were just featureless black cubes mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't until later editions where they engraved the numbers yeah. in there so that uh, they would they would actually stay for a little bit. Um, and there's plenty of others that are like that. Now, how could how can we get around these? Like,
2: well, snakes. Nice when it comes to like, let's say, like clue or um, what's another example? Yahtzee. Oh, Yahtzee, where you have these like pads. You can either buy pads, which is a viable option, but cost money and waste paper. Or what we've done is you take a sheet and you you cover it with a tape and you can put dry erase markers on it. I just laminate it. Yep.
1: Right. Um, yeah likewise at Snakes we do our best to shellac games that get a lot of um, play yeah we've got the spray we cover them with right.
0: and, uh, we'll sleeve cards sleeve the cards yeah. that does a lot big so I, thing if yeah. you don't know about card sleeves and your games wear it a lot if, especially if you're playing games like Pit where the cards get moved around a lot right. card sleeves are a lot cheaper than buying new games come to the cafe if you need some we'll sell them to you they're cheap they're good and we can thank uh, Magic the Gathering for making Absolutely. The yes. <laughs> because that was what made people get interested suddenly in preserving the quality of their cards mm-hmm. Um, obviously a game with a limited number of plays built in, like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, that's, that's, I don't think there's anything you can do with that.
2: I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. If it's a quality game and you get 10 awesome, like Sherlock Holmes, if you get 10 awesome experiences out of it, that you might not, if you had not had a limited amount of plays, you might've played it only eight times anyways.
1: That's true. Um, I guess you can uh, draw an analog to the popularity of, uh, I guess, escape games now.
0: Right, escape from the room type stuff. Right. So Um, a lot of those happen in Toronto. Yeah, it's a big thing in Toronto these days. If you haven't heard about it, the idea is that they lock you in a room and there's a bunch of clues and objects sort of strewn around, there's sort of a backstory, and you and a group of people have a certain amount of time to figure out how to get out.
1: Mm -hmm. And of course, um, most establishments only have a few of those Mm -hmm. to go on. And uh, once you've beat all three of them, then they're going to be the same almost every time. Uh, you can kind of draw a comparison there to uh, games like Sherlock Holmes where even though you only have a finite amount of times you can go through it, like each time you go through it is an entirely novel and unique experience yeah, that your group is having a lot of fun with. It's totally worth it.
2: we am so spoiled that we think we should be able to play a game unlimited amount of times and it'd be awesome every time. Exactly. I'd rather play like three really good games. If you really
0: like trivia, you really like Cranium or Quelf, that experience is worthwhile. It's okay if you run out of cards. you mm-hmm. got your money's worth. Strategy and games. Of course, you mentioned the uh, the the expansions for uh, for Hive can do that. House rules can do a lot for it as well. House rules, yeah. The uh, the game of life is going to run out of (laughs) legs pretty quick unless you do like what Mandy's doing.
2: Oh yeah, I am actually notoriously barren in that game. I miss all the children tiles. (laughs) We've built in this rule that I'm allowed to buy children off of other players if they don't want them because they have the second station wagon filled with children. I'll just take it off your hands sure. for $50,000. Yeah. yeah, that,
0: that works for me sure, adoption. Sure <laughs> good yep. So when we're selling games to customers at retail, how how big a problem is this, really? It sounds like in a lot of ways it's not necessarily that big an issue. Um, most customers don't really care. Like
1: They buy a game and they expect to drive some fun out of it. Um, a lot of them don't really want to be playing a game over and over and over again. Mm. Um, some do ask, of course, and uh, especially... Particularly strategy Yeah, strategy yeah. gamers ask how many times they can play a game with it still being interesting. Mm.
2: Yeah, the yeah. concept of replayability isn't a major concern to most people because they don't play near enough amount of games that we play. But mm. like you said, the customer who's already interested in the strategy and those kinds of things, definitely something to bring up to them.
1: It's a big thing about um, most strategy games these days is that they come with at least one or two expansions. So um, Hmm. if you think that you and your group have um, exhausted as much fun or solved, if you will, the the base game, then you can uh, buy one or two expansions and kind of uh, go off from there. Um, That is kind of weird too, because the same thing happens for Cards Against Humanity. Once people have exhausted all the cards in the base set, then they often find themselves buying more and more expansions and um, that's when we try to kind of steer them away from that kind of thing (laughs) um, where they'll ask if i've only played the base game do i need to buy the expansions or if i've never played the base game then do i need these expansions Um, the party line is generally that once you've seen all the cards then the game um, starts becoming diminishingly fun yeah so uh, if you'd like buy some expansions so we always leave it to them to uh, decide
0: whether or not they want to do so and they do, usually. <laughs> and uh, the house rules thing can work as well. We actually talked about that in an episode way back in Season 1, Mikhail, about uh, how you can adapt Cards Against Humanity to like say anything against humanity. Right. Or Telestrations, telestrations against, against Humanity. Yeah, humanity. merging them together. Uh, that's, it's like Telestrations becomes an expansion set. Mm-hmm. For...
1: And uh, in that case, and familiarity with the cards is
0: a plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I actually used to go out of my way to warn customers about lack of replayability in games. And I found that, generally speaking, they didn't want to hear it. You know, they, they were, especially if they were looking at trivia games or games like Quell for Cranium, this is this is the experience that they wanted. And they weren't concerned about whether they were going to be able to get more than two or three plays of it. They were concerned about whether it was going to be fun the time that they bring it out just the once. Mm-hmm. So I've got to the point now where I don't really bother to bring it up. It's, uh, instead, I just focus on what the experience of those first few plays are going to be like and leave the explanations for you know, the expansions and sets and stuff for people who are actually specifically asking about it. Right. hmm Any final thoughts
1: about replayability? It's important, but not the end-all-be-all.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I like, personally, games that I can enjoy over and over again. Uh, One example that I didn't mention earlier, I like Citadels a lot. Mm. And uh, that's a game where I can play it over and over again, depending
0: on the people I'm playing it with. It's a classic example of a game where you're not playing the game, you're playing the other players. Exactly that. I think that's one of the reasons why poker has such ridiculous longevity. You're not playing the cards, you're playing the opponents. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are a lot of other games where, specifically games that have a strong psychological component. Right. Where that's, that's really all it's going to be about, and those are never going to become unplayable.
1: Yeah. Um, stuff like Coup, Skull and Roses, game Cockroach Poker, mm-hmm. game, game of Life, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Especially
0: when you can buy children from other people. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Till then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Mandy Jelsma and Mikhail Wanaritos. Game, game on. Game on. Game on. Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas, game on.